The following podcast is a serialization from a live presentation on the commentary of Imam Nawawi's 40 Hadith by Hafi Sha'ban for the weekly live learning show on Inspire FM. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. As-salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi al-anbiya wal-kareem. Qayyum as-samawati wal-ardin. مدبر الخلائق أجمعين باعث الرسل صلواته وسلامه عليهم أجمعين إلى المكلفين لهدايتهم وبيان شرائع الدين بالدلال القطعية وواضحات البراهين أحمده على جميع نعمه وأسأله المزيد من فضله وكرمه وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الواحد القحار الكريم الغفار وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله وحبيبه وخليله أفضل المخلوقين المكرم بالقرآن العظيم المعجزة المستمرة على تعاقب السنين وبالسنن المستنيرة للمسترشدين المخصوص بجوامع الكلم وسماحة الدين صلوات الله وسلامه عليه وعلى سائر النبيين وآل كل وسائر الصالحين أما بعد ربي شحلي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربي زلني علما اللهم انفعني بما علمتني وعلمني ما ينفعني وزدني علما الحمد لله الحمد لله كل هذا وعوذ بالله من أهل أهل النار السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I start by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I prefer to choose the, the opening as, uh, as was used as-sana uh, by uh, Imam uh, An-Nawi which is the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala glorifying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the one who created the, the heavens and the earth and the one who created the uh, the creation the one who sent the messenger uh, with uh, upon whom be peace uh, to us uh, for our guidance with the clear proofs with the clear evidences the qata'iyah and wadihat al-baraheen and with the open and the clear evidences we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase his fadl and his karam Upon his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to also guide all of those who follow in his footpath until Yawm al-Din. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after prayers of Allah and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send his salutations upon his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to facilitate our task for us, to remove the impediment from our tongue and to make our task easy for us and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for ikhlas, for sincerity we ask Allah, oh Allah benefit us with what you have taught us to teach us what will benefit us and to provide us with knowledge that will benefit me Allahumma inni a'uzu bika min al-arba min ilm la yanfa' wa min qalb la yakhsha' wa min nafs la tashba' wa min dua la yusma' we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, oh Allah I seek refuge in you from four from ilm la yanfa' from knowledge which is of no benefit, from a heart that does not fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from a soul that is never satisfied and from a supplication that is not responded to. With those opening words, I want to welcome you to <clears throat> the weekly live learning show with me, Hafiz Shaban, on uh, every Thursday from 7pm to 8pm on Inspire FM 105.1 FM, right? So this is a weekly broadcast, a live broadcast from Inspire FM 105.1 FM, 1582 01582481822 is the number here in the studio and 0779481822 are the, uh, is called, of course the number for your uh, social media messages inshallah ta'ala. Uh, we're going to be resuming uh, the series on the Arba'in uh, An-Nawawi uh, which is the Arba'in uh, An-Nawawi by Imam An-Nawawi. This is the, the, the 40 Hadith collection by Imam An-Nawawi and we started this uh, commentary or discussion or reflection last week 
here from Inspire FM Studios. And for those of you, for a very quick recollection, we discussed last week, we of course kicked off the series and then we we started discussing, laying down some foundational elements. Uh, what is the objectives? Why are we studying uh, Arba'in and Nawawi? Uh, what are the sources that we are referring to? And we looked at the biography of the author of the Sheikh Imam uh, Al Nawawi. Imam Al Nawawi, may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala have mercy upon him. And that's what we covered last week. And Allahu Akbar, you know, I'm not going to do a quick summary because the podcast will be available uh, from the Inspire FM website uh, very shortly, inshallah. So those of you that want to go and refresh your memory with regards to last week's broadcast, then you'll be able to do that very at a click of a button. But in in brief, what I will tell you is that the biography of uh, the Sheikh and the Imam and Nawi is amazing. It's amazing. It's incredible, and and no words can ever you know substitute your own personal reading, your own personal study, your own personal reflection on the, these great Sheikhs of the past. Great Sheikhs of the past. I mean, Subhanallah, their life is inspiring. Their efforts were amazing, incredible. The output was just phenomenal, phenomenal output. I mean, they didn't just write a book of copy and paste. Nowadays, it's very easy to write a book, copy and paste, and you get a couple of quotations from here, from there, put a book together, and, and you know, you know, claim to be an author of a book. But Allahu Akbar, the 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 volumes of works that these you produce early on in their lives were absolutely incredible in terms of quality, in terms of substance, in terms of depth, in terms of the way they applied the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way they reflected upon the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, one of the things that I pointed upon and I and I and I picked up last week was that they weren't secular scholars. They weren't partial scholars they weren't incomplete scholars but they were complete scholars they were scholars who understood not only the the the, the theory right but also the application and they applied it and what what i mean by that is it was a 360 degree understanding of islam it wasn't uh, an islam devoid of politics it wasn't politics devoid of islam it wasn't the spiritual element devoid of the political element or the ideological element or the financial element it was a combination right so they had they were the, the they were the they, they were at the forefront when it came to uh, when it came to the spirituality, the, the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at night. And they were at the forefront when it came to the study of the deen during the day, right? Uh, they were at the forefront when it came to understanding the deen and studying the sciences of the deen. They were at the forefront when it came to studying even the, you know what we would term as the, the material matters or the, the matters of the world. Even though not all of them necessarily specialized in that. But again, you can see I'm already digressing. But Allahu Akbar, Imam An-Nawi was incredible. Incredible. I mean, just uh, the volume of his output is, is evident of that fact. But the fact that we, we discussed last week, you know, subhanAllah, his, his, um, his student and others uh, and himself, in fact, he re recollects and he, he, he notes that he used to attend 12 hours of lectures per day. Right? And, and that in itself should just be... A, uh, it's a feat in its own right. Twelve hours of lectures plus the notes and plus everything you need to do on top of that. Plus, you know, writing all of everything that you're writing, Allahu Akbar, and, and volumes of works, and then all within a very, very limited uh, confines is incredible. Subhanallah. So, I mean, to really appreciate it, I would really recommend you to read the biography of Sheikh Imam An Nawawi, right? And it's online. It's available online, and it's not. It's not, I'm not talking about hundreds of pages, I'm talking about a couple of pages just to get an appreciation, right? So that's what we discussed last week. This week I'm going to go straight into, I've already taken eight minutes of uh, this, uh, this the dars today, but I want to go into uh, a couple of other aspects today and I'll, and I'll show you why I, I refer to as the Imam, as the Sheikh, as a complete personality. And you'll understand that very clearly today, hopefully, inshallah. We will look into the works of the Imam and nawawi right? What were the works that he produced? We will look at something called uh, the, 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 the Qism or the, the, the Arba'in collection of Hadith, right? The Arba'in collection of Hadith. So this is a category, right? This is a genre within the Hadith category, right? Which is, you know, a lot of the scholars they put effort into collecting their own personal 40 hadiths uh you know attributed to rasulullah so we look at that but for me and you like i said for a lot of us in terms of the layman's if you talk about the 40 hadith 
automatically people refer to Imam An-Nawi's 40 hadith, right? And then of course we will move on to the An-Nawi's 40 hadith and, and start looking at the, the commentary uh, by introducing the book, right? Uh, and then inshallah after that, which probably will happen from next week, then we start looking into the first hadith and then we start traversing through that journey of the, the hadith in uh, Arba'in An-Nawi inshallah. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us, to assist me. And uh, anything good is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And any shortcomings are from me. Now, one of the points that I mentioned last week was that it's incredible that Imam An-Nawi, he actually passed away at the age of 44, right? At the age of 44. And Allahu Akbar is incredible. The amount of books that Imam An-Nawi wrote in an incredibly very limited period of time, right? So that in itself is not necessarily, you know, a, 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 you can say a hallmark of a great scholar. One may argue that. But when you look at the volumes and the, the, the amount of not only books, but each of those books, Allahu Akbar. So if you pick up Riyadh al-Salihin or if you pick up, um, let's say, any, uh, the, the commentary, right, on, uh, yeah, on the commentary on Sahih Muslim. Or if you pick up uh, Imam An-Nawi's Arba'in An-Nawi or if you pick up his other commentary books, they go into volumes, right? So when we talk about writing one book, we're talking about seven volumes or 18 volumes or 15 volumes. So that is incredible feat. That is an incredible feat to have achieved by that age, right? So that's what we need to bear in mind. And anyway, Imam An-Nawi, as we said, passed away at a very young age. Now, just because he passed away at a young age, he had already left an incredible, incredible legacy uh, before he passed away. And we said last week that, subhanAllah, a part of the legacy of Imam An-Nawi was that after only about 10 years of study, so when he was in his 20s, he was already classified and categorized and, and referred to as a scholar, right? So we discussed that last week. And of course, his lasting legacy was his contribution to Hadith literature and, of course, the the key books that we're referring to here are not only uh, at least the key books that and the average person knows. If I talk to you about commentary on Sahih Muslim, you probably don't know. Uh, you, you won't have referred to that book. You won't have uh, come across that book unless you've you've come across, stumbled across it or you you've studied, right? But everyone who goes to the masajid has picked up a 40 hadith or he's picked up Riyadh Salihin because they are the most common hadith books that are available out there. Right, so of course that is Imam An-Nawi's legacy, and we're gonna we're gonna discuss that. In fact, let me just tell you about what some of the other scholars, early classical scholars, said about Imam An-Nawi. They said Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made his writings appreciated and accepted amongst the people. Now, listen to this fact: hundreds, in fact, thousands of scholars, right? Thousands of scholars have compiled collections of forty hadiths. Of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now that is a startling fact. Hundreds and thousands of scholars have actually compiled their own forty, right? Their own forty, their own favorite forty, or their forty that they've, you know, given. You know, I had I had a particular affiliation with for for whatever for whatever reason. Hundreds and thousands of scholars. Wow. And me and you and the world today knows the 40 hadiths of Imam An-Nawi. That is how well Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made his writings appreciated and accepted amongst the people. That's incredible. I mean, that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It wasn't that he was incredibly good at a... At you know search engines, or he had Google to his uh, you know you know uh, he had Google available to him so that anytime you search hadith, the top hit is Imam An Nawawi's Arba'in An Nawawi. No, this is we're talking about we're talking about hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years ago, and this is the reality of it, right? None of them, he, the scholar says, none of them have had the acceptance and approval like that of the forty hadith of An Nawawi, twenty in fact. Hundred, uh, he says, twenty. In fact, hundreds of scholars have written commentaries on Sahih Muslim, but never had, a but never have had the fame of Sharh al-Imam al-Nawi, known as the al-Minhaj fi Sharh Sahih Muslim bin al-Hajjaj. So there we go. So this is the other text that I was referring to. Even the Sharh of uh, Sahih Muslim. Imam An-Nawi is uh, here. The commentary of, by the scholar is that over 20 scholars have written commentaries. Famous. In fact, he says hundreds of scholars have written commentaries on Sahih Muslim. But no one has had the fame as Imam An-Nawi. Allahu Akbar. And Ibn Kathir, to quote Ibn Kathir, he concluded after uh, uh, reading some of the books of uh, 
Uh, Imam an he concluded in general, it is a book that the likes of which I have never seen from what has been passed on from the earliest scholars and none of the latest scholars have come up with anything comparable to it. Allahu Akbar. So that is just on one of the books of Imam an right? So subhanAllah, I think that that's going to give us a, a good appreciation of the works of Imam an -Nawi. So his expertise, excellence was, of course, Hadith literature, but also, of course, the other area of expertise and excellence was, of course, his understanding of fiqh, right? And in particular, the Shafi'i fiqh. We talked about the Shafi'i fiqh, that according to Al-Zahabi, Imam Al-Nawi's, you know, uh, academic uh, absorption and, and learnership and scholarship in uh, in the Shafi'i fiqh and in, in, in fiqh general was incredible. Now, Imam what made Imam an and what was interesting is a lot of the scholarship today, I mean, think about it and, and reflect upon your experience and your interactions with other scholarships. You know, if, if someone's um, a Shafi'i or a Hanbali or a Maliki or a, a, a Imam Abu Hanifa or, uh, or Ja'far bin Sadiq or, uh, you, know, uh, you know, any of the other scholars, right? Uh, any of the other scholars then you often find something which is referred to as, you know, an affiliation with that with that imam, affiliation with that with that school, right? At the expense of any other school and at the expense of any other hadith and at the expense of any other literature. And that is something that Imam An-Nawi, you didn't find that in Imam An-Nawi. And that's very well documented with regards to Imam An-Nawi that he, yes, was an expert in the Shafi'i fiqh, right? But... He didn't, you know, he didn't just follow the Shafi'i fiqh uh, in, with ignorance to everything else and anything else, but rather he then was able to examine and study other scholars, other obviously the madhahibs, uh, other hadiths that may not have been accessible or available previously, and he would follow the opinion which was the strongest, whether it agreed with Shafi'i fiqh or didn't agree with Shafi'i fiqh. And that is the point here. What is the closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is the closer to the, the highest level of taqwa? And that is, in a, that is the kind of a, the opinion that we should be driving and that is the way that we should be driving ourselves. That if we find evidence which is stronger than an opinion that we're following, more closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Is shouldn't be something that we are completely, you know, Turning our blind eye to because oh no no this is this is not in, in you know this is not what, what my sheikh says etc etc no rather it's the case that we need to examine other opinions examine the evidences and if those evidences are proven to be stronger then we have to adopt those stronger evidences and of course I mean I, I mentioned 50 books I'm not going to discuss all 50 books because it's just too much uh, to discuss we talked about is key. Um, key writings uh, in terms of the Sharh of Imam Muslim, Sahih Muslim, we talked about uh, Riyad Salihin, we talked about the Arba'in and Nawi, right? So, I mean, in just a couple of comments, basic comments on, on these would be the fact that, for example, uh, just a, a, another statistic for you, they say that Imam an Nawi over the span of 12 or 13 years was able to complete majority of this writing. Allahu Akbar, right? And I'm going to tell you some facts later on. It's going to, you're going to find it absolutely incredible, right? Uh, and, and one of these work, works was the commentary on Sahih Muslim. Remember I mentioned this just earlier? Is in 18 volumes. 18 volumes. So when I say Imam An-Nawi wrote 15 books within a period of, you know, let's say 20 years, right? Or 30 years. A majority of this writing was over a period of about 15 years, 12, 13 years I have in front of me. You know, we're talking about Sahih Muslim. Commentary on Sahih Muslim is a, considered a book and it has, and it's 18 volumes. Allahu Akbar. Another book, Ar-Rawda, is 12 volumes. His classic, Al-Majmu'ah, right? This is the Majmu'ah. This is the compilation uh, of, uh, you know, a comparison of not only the Shafi'i fiqh, but for some of the other, then, then he looks like, in, you know, almost like a, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, uh, cross comparison almost you can say but in all of the other mazahibs is published in nine large size volumes right Allahu Akbar four or uh, these are just some of the works that he completed in a very short time and so that Allahu Akbar in itself 
is absolutely incredible. Al-Minhaj Bisharh Sahih Muslim, okay, is considered one of the best commentaries on Sahih Muslim. Allahu Akbar. In fact, just like you have. A lot of you, some of my listeners will be familiar with Ibn Hajar's Fath al-Bari, right? Which is his commentary on Sahih al-Bukhari. One of the one of the most famous, if not the most famous, commentary on Sahih al-Bukhari was Ibn Hajar's Fath al-Bari. Fath al-Bari is is a is a classic, right? In the same way, Imam An-Nawawi's commentary on Sahih Muslim has entitled Al-Minhaj fi Sharh Sahih Muslim Ibn al-Hajjaj has got the same status. Riyadh al-Sal. I mean, I don't need to say much about Riyadh al-Salihin because it's a collection on uh, on uh, various elements and it's renowned in the world. It's it's you know every masajid, every masajid you go to a masajid, you'll pick up Riyadh al-Salihin. I mean, Subhanallah, one of the books that I, I you know I, you know even uh, inspire them. You know they 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 play the azkar subh in in the morning, uh, which is the du'as of the morning in in the morning the, the azkar that you want recites in the mornings and the evenings. And when I found that book, Allahu Akbar, that book was also by Imam An Nawawi. I thought Allahu Akbar. And then you got the Majmu' Shara' al Mazhab, and that is also by uh, uh, which is a comprehensive manual of Islamic law according to Chavirifik, and that's also uh, by Imam An Nawi, and that is the book Imam Ibn Kathir said that he's never seen any book like it. Right? I could probably list you so many others, but like I said, over fifty books is not gonna it's not gonna add any further weighting uh, to the point that I'm making here is. He was a giant. Imam An-Nawi, Sheikh An-Nawi was a giant when it came to scholarship. Allahu Akbar. And Wallahi, as I said last week, the, some of the, the other scholars, they named him Muhyuddin. They named him as someone who revives the deen. And Wallahi, he detested it. He detested it. He hated that you call him or anyone refers to him as Muhyuddin. But the scholars said, if anyone is entitled to that title, then it was Imam An Nawawi, and you can understand and begin to understand. I'm going to say you're going to, you can only begin to understand that as I go through some of this, uh, some of the facts with regards to Imam An Nawawi. All right, so that's uh, that covers my first point. My, my first point of, of today's show was, and today's broadcast is. The works of Imam An Nawawi. Remember, this is a a glimpse. This is an introduction, and this is not a exhaustive, you know, uh, classification or an exhaustive introduction or an exhaustive commentary on the way, uh, works of Imam An Nawawi. It would take uh, a dean intensive just to do uh, just to do that. So that's just a mere introduction. Anyone who is interested in the details, feel free to actually get in touch. And we could actually make, uh, uh, you know, share the information with you, inshallah, as to what are the other works of Imam uh, of the Imam and Nawi, inshallah. All right, we're going to move on to the next part, which is the forty hadith collection. And I kind of touched upon it earlier. Is that this is a genre within hadith, right? A lot of the scholars they compile their own personal collection of forty hadith. What I mean, personal collection, it doesn't mean that they're the authors of those hadith. Of course, they're from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But they compile their forty hadith of asghar, forty hadith of uh, you know to do with jihad, forty uh, uh, you know hadith to do with maybe mannerisms, forty hadith to do with you know brotherhood, like Imam Ghazali did, for example, the rights of of brotherhood, right, or, or sister. And so many, many scholars came and they compiled their own collection, 40 hadiths on this particular subject, right? To give a particular subject a particular weighting, right? But I, I know we, he puts this collection together and we're going to discuss what the scholars said with regards to uh, this this collection, right? Or Imam An Nawawi's collection. But before I do that, very quickly before we go into the break, uh, why did the scholars classify and put together this genre of 40 hadith because of the saying of Rasulullah sallallahu what is attribute to Rasulullah sallallahu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said qala man hafiza ala ummati 40 hadith collection وفي رواية ابن عمر كتب في زمرة العلماء وحشر في زمرة الشهداء so you can see from that very quickly those of you that understand Arabic that in, in the multitude of narrations that are come 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in these hadiths, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, so whoever preserves 40 hadiths, and he conveys them to the ummah, conveys them to, the, to those who are not present, and conveys them, and whoever preserves them, whoever conveys them, whoever you know uh, spreads them and teaches them, etc., etc., he will have a special category in Jannah. In fact, he will be able to enter into Jannah from any door he likes. He will be amongst the scholars. He will be amongst the shaheed and, and, and so on and so forth. So the category, the reward for preservation and categorization and grouping of these 40 hadiths is great. So a lot of the scholars, of course, they did that with the, with an aim of attaining the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So that's the reason why you see a lot of these collection of 40 hadiths because the sincerity of the scholars in seeking the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, the category and the 40 of uh, 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 Imam An-Nawi is very distinct and very different. And when we come back from the, the break, I'm going to tell you why, inshallah ta'ala. Just a reminder, you're with me, Hafi Shaban on Inspire FM, on the weekly live learning program every Thursday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. And we are, of course, discussing Arba'in and Nawi. And we've just been discussing uh, the works of Imam and Nawi, the works of Imam and Nawi. And then we've started to discuss the 40 Hadith collection, the category of 40 Hadith collection. And inshallah ta'ala, when we come back, we're going to look at the Arba'in of An-Nawi and why is Arba'in An-Nawi so different and so special when it comes to uh, Arba'in and uh, when it comes to Arba'in Hadith and in, in especially in comparison with the other 40 Hadith collection from other scholars uh, we're about to go into commercial break when I come back inshallah we will be continuing from where I've left off inshallah You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast Making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Assalatu Wassalamu Ala Rasulillah wa Ala Alihi wa Sahbi Ajma'een. Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. And welcome back to the weekly live learning show with me. Hafiz Shaban on Inspire FM 105.1 FM or 1582 Zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two is the number here in the studio. We're going to continue straight into our conversation on uh, the Arba'in An-Nawi. Uh, first half of the show, uh, the works of Imam uh, Imam An-Nawi. We looked at the works of Imam An-Nawi. We also started to look at the forty hadith collection, right? So I started to give you some introductory uh, introductions to uh, notes on to the Arba'in and uh, collection of. Uh, of hadith right let me let me just give you a quick uh, 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 some some notes from the sharh arba'in uh, hadith and nawawi uh, what, what the scholars said is ثم من العلماء من جمع الأربعين في أصول الدين وبعدهم في الفروع وبعدهم في الجهاد وبعدهم في الزهد وبعدهم في الآداب وبعدهم في الخطب وكلها مقاصد صالحة رضي الله تعالى عن قاصديها وقد رأيت جمع أربعين حديثا أهم من هذا كله وهي أربعون حديثا مشتملة على جميع ذلك وكل حديث منها قاعدة عظيمة من قواعد الدين. Right, let me just stop there. So uh, the, the, this is the مقدمة. This is the introduction of Imam An-Nawi. And when he's introducing his أربعين An-Nawi, he's mentioning the point that I mentioned earlier, and that is the fact that Scholars have been gathering 40 hadith for a very, very long time, right? For a very long time. And some of them have discussed the furu'ah. Some of them have discussed, you know, zuhud. Uh, some of them have discussed adab. Some of them have discussed khutub. And, and they have been uh, n- numerous subjects. And, and he says all of them are worthy causes, good intentions, fanta- you know, great intentions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all of them. But then he says, وَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ جَمْعَ أَرْبَعِينَ حَدِيثًا أَهَمْ مِنْ هَذَا كُلِّهِ وَهِيَ أَرْبَعُونَ حَدِيثًا مُشْتَمِلَةٌ عَلَى جَمِيعَ ذَلِكَ وَكُلُّ حَدِيثٍ مِنْهَا قَاعِدَةٌ عَظِيمَةٌ مِنْ قَوَاعِدِ الدِّينِ Now you know here is where he answers this question What made the 40 hadith collection so distinct of Imam An-Nawis, right? And this is where you need to be familiar with this hadith and this book and those of you that are not familiar with the hadith and with the, with the text, I would really recommend you to go and buy this 40 hadith and nawi. If you've got no books on hadith in your house, right, and you've never bought a book on hadith, 
go on by Arba'in and Nawi, eh? Because we're studying it anyway here as part of this series for the next couple of weeks and months, and you'd be able to, you know, hopefully, inshallah ta'ala, you know, uh, equip yourself and educate yourself. That's the first point. And the second point is that it's, very, it's a very concise book. And what, uh, what Imam Anawi did was he selected some of the most, not some of them, but the most prominent hadith, right? Out of all of the hadith of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa what he terms as uh, hadith aham min hadha kulli wa hi arba'na hadith mushtamilan ala jamiyyada wa kullu hadith minha qa'idatun azimatun min qawaid al-deen. And he says, and from all of those I chose, right? I chose the hadith which which have got these which have the profound and great principles from all of the principles of Islam. Right. So you can see here, and he says that these hadith, these these hadith that are collected, right. Uh, so sorry, sorry for that in interference, right? But he can, he, we can uh, continue hopefully, inshallah. But what what he mentions there is uh, that the the hadith that he's collected, right? The the hadith uh, they have been described by the ulama that they are the madar al Islam. They are the you know the the criteria, the measurement uh, for for Islam, right? So these are the principles, you know, that Islam is almost you know measured upon. Uh, or who are nisful Islam, or they are equivalent to the half of Islam, or the third of it, or or any, or, or towards that, right, or in, in in that direction. So you can see the significance, right? You can see the significance of the collection and the hadith that Imam An Nawawi collected in comparison with some of the others. The other hadiths are also important, but you can see he Imam An Nawawi was in, interested in what are the core, you know, the cornerstone. Prince, uh, you know, hadith, the, the, the hadith that contain these uh, the very pertinent, profound principles which spread across the whole of Islam. And that is what Arba'in Anawi he did, right? And that is why, subhanAllah, and then is of course from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the writings of, uh, of Imam Anawi the prominence uh, that is had. And that is why it's uh, reached this uh, global, uh, you know, fame, global recognition, global acknowledgement. And subhanAllah, like I said, anywhere in the world you go, you will find the Arba'in of Imam An-Nawi. Alright, so we've done that. Uh, let's do now, uh, so we've done the first two, which is the, in, uh, the introduction to the works of Imam An-Nawi. What is the 40 Hadith collection all about? Uh, we're going to move into the introduction to the book. And I think this introduction to the book, we've also probably covered, right? Because no wonder that this book has become so popular for hundreds of years amongst them. And it's more, one of the most popular of the Islamic books in the Muslim world. I don't have any statistics for you, but if I had statistics for you, they would definitely confirm that particular point right uh, and and the fact is in putting together this collection the author's explicit aim was the author's explicit aim was that each, each hadith is a great fundamental qaida azima of the deen uh, described by the the ulama as being the axis of islam or the half of islam or the third of islam and we discussed that right uh, and, and, and in fact, I, I think that, that covers that because I think that gives it the emphasis and that gives it the uniqueness. So when we're talking about Arba'in and Nawi, that is why it's so uh, different, it's so distinct in the sense that A, the author, B, the, the scholarship behind it, and C is that he chose, he handpicked one of the, one of the, some, of, some of the greatest principles that he wanted to establish through the Hadith literature and he put that together into this 40 or 42 Hadith, right? Allahumma salli ala nabi Sallallahu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Okay, so I'm, I'm going to move on to the next part of the of the discussion inshallah ta'ala and this is going to be an interesting discussion and this is with regards to uh, we've done the introduction of the book and now I just want to look at the the background, right? The background to Imam An-Nawi's life uh, and, and the background to Imam An-Nawi, you know, remember earlier I was discussing with regards to Imam An-Nawi having this 
360 degree personality and some of you may be thinking what do i mean by a 360 personality all right well, what does that mean how was the personality of imam anawi different to the personality of some of the other scholars right uh, how is it different to the scholarship of today is there a difference between the scholarship of today and the scholarship of imam of the past right what was the key difference right and this is the point that i'm going to focus on for the remaining 20 minutes of this session now subhanallah if I ask you a question, and in fact, you know, feel free to 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 call in, feel free to text in, uh, you know, as send me an SMS or a, or a WhatsApp, 0158-2481822-0779-481822. I've got a question for you. Right now, when I when I describe to you Imam Annawi, I've described to you his life, I've described to you his uh, his uh, you know scholarship, I've described described to you his works, I've described to you his study, I've described to you that he only lived for forty four years, right? And the amount of material he produced, right? You know, almost right. You would think that Imam Annawi. Now think think about this. Imam Annawi. He's living in a very utopian society. A lot of you would you probably say, well, you know, he was living in a time of excellent scholarship and excellent you know islamic khilafah or islamic rules was you know uh buoyant in in those times and there was peace and there was stability and the imam and the sheikh could just go and lock him himself away in a room somewhere away from you know family away from people away from distraction and just focus on his study focus on his lectures focus on his writing and and etc 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 right and you may support that by saying well look hence imam annawi wasn't married he, has, he didn't have a wife he didn't have children so yeah he, he achieved a great feat but you know what he didn't have some of these distractions and someone may have or may be audacious enough to suggest some of these elements right but subhanallah the truth couldn't be uh, if uh, that couldn't be further away from the truth further away from the truth i mean in fact we said when was imam annawi born imam annawi we said was born in the seventh century right we talked about the seventh century we talked about 631 to 676 after hijri so this is 631 years after the hijrah of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam 1234 for you for those of us who are familiar with the contemporary time frame and history right now subhanallah if you look at and, and any of you that you know you know goes away does his own personal study looks at the life of imam annawi looks at the biography of imam annawi anyone who's discussing the life or the biography of imam annawi will, will point to you seventh century of islam was a turbulent time incredible what do you mean it was a turbulent time 7th century of Islam was a turbulent time. It was a testing time. It was a time of trials and tribulations. And wallahi, when I look at that in that context, right? Well, you know, here's a scholar, 44 years of age, he passes away. Before he's passed away, he's produced all of these volumes of books. Some of the greatest books that we, you know, hundreds and thousands of years later, we're still discussing and we're still reading, right? And when I describe all of that, you would imagine that this, this sheikh was living in a cave somewhere away from the whole of civilization and he was able to dedicate his time to this and there was stability and there was this golden period of Islamic rule. In fact, 7th century of Islam was a turbulent time, especially for this area where the imam you know, uh, you know, uh, belonged to, which is Asham. It was this during this century that the Mongols had invaded. The Mongols had invaded. The Crusaders controlled part of the Muslim lands from the west. And it is mentioned in the year 656. 656. Let's go back. Look at the year of Imam Annawi's birth. 631. 631. So right bang in the middle of Imam Annawi's life. Right? Right in the bang in the middle. Right? 656. These huge battles are taking place, right? The Mongols, 656, the Mongols had invaded and conquered Baghdad. Baghdad, the capital of the Khilafah at that time. 656. In 658, and these, this is, these are facts you need to put right in the, in, in the forefront of your brains, in our, in our heads, and think about this. Because I'm going to give you some facts which are absolutely incredible. Two years later, 658, under the reign of Al-Mudafir Qurtz ibn Abdullah, i.e. the Khalifa, okay, and the military leadership of Al-Dahir 
Babers, right? The Muslims, right, defeated the Mongols in the stunning defeat of Angelut. Angelut, right? So, a battle of Angelut is a, is a famous battle where the Muslims defeated the Mongols. 658. Be put these dates in your mind. 656. Mongols invade Baghdad. 658. Battle of Angelut. Then in 679, the Mongols again tried to conquer Aleppo, Isham, and they were defeated. And from that time onwards, the historians say Muslim forces, they continued to battle. And similarly, at the similar times, the Crusaders were defeated and removed from Sham in 691. At the time of all of these turbulence, constant, you know, you know borders of Islam are being challenged and they're being defeated. This is the period of time where Imam An-Nawi is producing these incredible pieces. Incredible pieces. So what I'm trying to show you is just like we have got trials and tribulations and periods of turbulence in, in the in contemporary 21st century. It was a similar period in the 7th century for Imam An-Nawi. Look how Imam An-Nawi was able to produce that scholarship. That scholarship. Now the second part that I'm going to tell you is absolutely incredible. In fact, before I go on to that, incredible scholarship. But not only that, the scholars would refer to Islam, they would refer to the Quran, they're referring to the Hadith, and they're understanding the Hadith, they're understanding the Quran in the, in the context of the Mongols, in the context of the Crusaders, understanding the Hukum, understanding the Uslub, understanding what is the Wasail, understanding what are the means of de deterring and um, pushing back the Crusaders and pushing back the Mongols. You know, they didn't go for, you know, option B and a, and, a, and a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. What about the plan A? What is about the solution that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given? You know, they didn't turn a blind eye to that, right? They didn't turn a blind eye to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what the text is calling the Muslims towards. And that is my point when I'm talking about scholars who had a 360 personality. They had a complete personality. They understood the text. They understood the Quran. They understood the Hadith. And they applied it. They applied it. So the Mongols were you know, repelled. The Mongols were defeated. The Mongols were humiliated. In fact, the Mongols, as we said, the Izza comes through, you know, the embracing of Islam uh, comes through the... The, the 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 system of Islam coming over you, right? And it's the same thing happened with the Crusades, and this is at the peak, and this is at the peak of Imam An-Nawi's time of writing. Now that is not the point only. That is not the point only. Allahu Akbar. What is more incredible? And this is the point I want you to focus on. Imam An-Nawi's scholarship. It wasn't confined to a theoretical understanding of Islam. It wasn't confined to you know being in the in the backseat of the rulers of the day. It wasn't confined to being complicit with any rule or any type of rule or any injustice or any you know blind eye turned to the the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Rather, these scholars called upon the ruler of the ummah, the ruler of the Muslims, the Khalif and accounted him and ensured that he was on the straight path and corrected him and you know challenged him and accounted him and reminded him of the ayats right and subhanallah this is my point imam and nawi okay accounted the ruler of his day he accounted him very severely and you know what is incredible what is incredible is the rulers of the day you know, Allahu Akbar, they want the, the, the tyrants that we know of today. They were the people who were defeating the Mongols. I mean, Allahu Akbar. Here's a leader that's just defeated the Mongols for you. Right? He's defeated the Mongols, right? You might say, you know what, I'm going to go easy with this guy. I'm going to go easy with this guy. Subhanallah, man, he's just come back from a two-year or a three-year or a one-year campaign against the Mongols. For God's sake, man, Mongols were ransacking Baghdad in 658. Two years, you know, not two years later. Uh, uh, let me get my facts right before I call it out. Yep, two years later, okay, so 656, they were ransacking Baghdad. Two years later, in 658, right, the Muslims have defeated them by these military leaders, by these, uh, by the Khalifa. They've, they've now pulled back, pushed back the Mongols. You might think that the scholars would be full of praise for these rulers and they would take it easy with them because, yeah, akhi, they've just defeated the Mongols. Take it easy with them. Be gentle with them. But wallahi, what I find incredible is that Imam An-Nawi, 
Yes, he had respect for these rulers. Yes, they deserved respect because they were implementing the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were doing the stuff that was required from them. They had conquered and defeated the Mongols. They had defeated and conquered the Crusaders. But that did not mean that Imam Anawi was in the pali-pali relationship with the scholars of the, of the time. Rather, it is said that Imam Anawi would challenge the war hero, the leader at the time who was a war hero against the Mongols. He would be challenged by Imam Anawi. It doesn't matter who you've won in defeat or in jihad. It doesn't matter what lands you've conquered. It doesn't matter who you're a relative of. It doesn't matter whether you're the, the son of the Nabi or the daughter of the Nabi or you're the Amir al-Mu'mini. It doesn't matter who you are. The hukum of Allah is equal in front of everyone. The hukum of Allah is equal in front of everyone. And this was the example that Rasulullah said. And this is the example that these scholars they followed. And I want you to compare that to today's day and age. In today's day and age when subhanAllah these scholars, they, they are, you know, they are silent. Silent when it comes to really, you know, addressing the, you know, the injustices and addressing the, uh, you know, the violations uh, and addressing the, you know, the, the persecution of Muslims in Kashmir and Muslims of Palestine and Muslims of uh, Shishan and Muslims of, uh, you know, of Bangladesh or Muslims of Burma and, and so on and so forth, we see very, very little in terms of strong words against the rulers, against the rulers. That is in the direction which they, their criticism and their, uh, you know, uh, their critique should be in that direction because the people who have the power to stop this oppression are not stopping that oppression. So let me give you an example. Imam Nawi, right? He accounted the Al-Sultan al, al, al Ad-Dahir, who, who I said he was a war hero. And he was the one who fought the Mongols and handed them a great defeat. But his status, his popularity, it did not prevent Imam An-Nawi from standing up to him. He would personally account him in the Darul Adl, in the Hall of Justice. And he would write to him when necessary. Three or four examples are given in the... In the in the Sharh of uh, Imam An Nawi's Arba'in An Nawi, in the biography of Imam An Nawi, and that's why I say you should read the biography of Imam An Nawi. It, it, it is mentioned after the the pushing back of the the Mongols, uh, the, the Sultan. Okay, he increased. Listen to this now. He increased the tax on the residents. He increased the tax on the residents. He, the tax burden became heavy, and okay, and we will look at even the reasoning behind this. Right, the, he, he, the tax burden became heavy on the citizens of the Khilafah. So the set, the residents of Damascus, they sought relief and they went to Imam An-Nawi and they said, write to the uh, uh, Imam, write to the Amir, right? And this prompted Imam An-Nawi to write to uh, Mamluk Sultan Rukn ad-Din Baybaz, and he wrote to him and he told him about providing relief from the heavy tax burdens okay during a period which is all full of drought and had lasted many years and wallahi if i could read the whole letter to you it would be incredible incredible but i don't have the time but he writes let me give you an example it has been brought to my attention that during this year people of sham are in a very difficult circumstance and are weak due to the lack of rain high prices lack of crops death of grazing animals and other reasons and you as rulers you know that one must have sympathy for the ruler and the ruled and one must advise them for their welfare and for his welfare verily the religion is true true sincerity and verily those serving the sharia have written as a matter of advice to the sultan in their love for him this is a letter reminding him to take care of the affairs of his citizens and to be gentle towards them right to be gentle towards them and no harm is meant by this letter so that's an introduction. And then he continues to say that you have seen the reality of the, the times, you see the reality of the circumstances, and this has been bought, and we request you to decrease the tax on the people, on the citizens. And to this, the, you know, one of the responses that Imam Annawi received was quite critical from the Imam. In fact, the, 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 the Amir, the Khalif, he responded to Imam Annawi with a threat, and Imam Annawi then replied back to the, the Khalif, and he said, as for myself, you're threatening me, your threats do not harm me. They don't mean anything to me. They, do, they will not keep me from advising the ruler. For I believe that this is obligatory upon me 
and others. Let me repeat that as for myself, threats do not harm me or they don't mean anything to me. And they will not stop me from advising the ruler. I will continue to advise the ruler because this is an obligation upon me and it's an obligation upon the other scholars. Imam An-Nawi understood very well the evil of disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He understood that he has to account him because he has the knowledge and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will account him otherwise. And he accounted the, the ruler even though the rulers at that time were war heroes. There were people who were fighting the Mongols, defeating the Mongols, the Crusaders. They weren't like the rulers of today. There was no comparison. So how can you say we can't account the rulers of today when the scholars, the greatest of scholars, accounted those rulers who fought against the Mongols and the Crusaders? Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Remember, that's, that's what I said to you about these scholars being complete personalities, embodying the hukum of Allah, embodying not only the not only speaking the speak, not only talking the talk, but walking the walk. Subhanallah ta'ala. So inshallah ta'ala, we are ending, we are coming towards the end of the hour. And maybe I will give you a couple of other examples next week, inshallah ta'ala, uh, from, from, uh, from the, the examples of how Imam An-Nawi interacted with the with the Khalif of his time, with the authorities of his time, and how that should be an inspiration for me as an individual. It should be an inspiration for my listeners. It should be an inspiration for for the other scholars, the students of knowledge who are gaining this knowledge. The the, the purpose of gaining that knowledge, ya ikhwan, ya shabab, ya talib al-ilm, ya tulab al-ilm, is a to the ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the iqa'ah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we, we gain that knowledge to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we gain that knowledge to, to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? That's the first fundamental purpose for, for, for seeking that knowledge, to, get, to, know, to know Allah, to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala better, and then to also implement it in, in our own life, and then to call others to it, to call others to it, right? And subhanallah, uh, that's a fantastic example from uh, the likes of Imam An-Nawi, how they would then put that uh, this hadith and, and their understanding of, of all these great amounts of knowledge of Islam into application. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he allows me to apply that which I discuss and I share with you. Next week, inshallah, we'll have another couple of examples from the life of Imam An-Nawi and his interaction with the state. And then inshallah, we will begin our journey into the first hadith of uh, first hadith of Imam An-Nawi inshallah ta'ala and we will look at the text we will explain the text and then we will see what the scholar said with regards to that hadith and then we will start the journey through the 40 or the 42 that are in that are contained in Imam An-Nawi's Arba'in inshallah ta'ala with those words I've come towards the end of the show I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept anything good uh, and indeed anything good is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any mistakes are from myself uh, you are with me Hafiz Shaban on the weekly live learning show every Thursday from 7pm 8pm great opportunity for you to tune in and study this great piece of work until next week Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh thank you for listening to our podcast why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.org